to you and to show you the places where you are out of love and where you are operating in fear, all right? So if you think about the things that Pastor Elwin taught us about unoffendable, or if you think about the things that we learned about not being stubborn, if you think about all those things that we learned, right? Let me tell you where they were located, in fear. The reason we don't forgive people, we're afraid. The reason that we're offended, we're afraid. The reason that we hold grudges, we're afraid. The reason that we're depressed, we're afraid. The reason that we're angry, we're afraid. There is either love or fear, right? So let's look at a couple of scriptures. Let's look at 1 John 4 and 18. 1 John 4 and 18. Now, this is going to be really interesting because those of us who like to think that we are strong and powerful people, those people who like to feel like you're strong and powerful people, raise your hand. When we start hearing stuff like this, our first mind is to will ourselves into another place. I ain't going to be afraid no more. Right? And if you're not careful, it's actually fear that's motivating the thing that you said you're not going to be afraid of anymore. So, 1 John... Are they, where are, I just want to know our words going to come up on the screen today. I just, I want to, I'm, I'm just asking, right? Huh? No, I'm the scripture, babe. The scripture. So 1 John 4 and 18, it says, perfect love cast out fear. That's what it says. Perfect love cast out fear. So here's this really cool thing that I can see. That when I am in fear, it's an opportunity for me to grow in love. So when I find myself being afraid, now the challenge for some of us is that we don't like to admit we're afraid. So we dress our fear up as other things. Is this resonating with anybody? So I don't want to admit that I'm afraid because I don't want to be a punk. So I dress my fear up as something else. And so then I try to wheel myself out of fear instead of doing what the Bible tells me. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. This is such a great measurement for my life that when I am afraid, I need to grow up in love. When I am afraid, I need to grow up in love. Now, because most of us are good students and hard workers, that immediately for us ignites some more work we're going to do. We're going to love God harder. We're going to lift our hands higher. We're going to lay straighter on the floor. We're going to run faster. We're going to jump higher. We're going to give five more dollars because we are going to love God more. Except the Bible says that love doesn't come from our will, but it's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Say, tell your neighbor, say, if you want to be free from fear, you have to allow Holy Spirit to grow your love up. And I'm talking about the reality of how deeply you are loved, not how much you love God. And it's one of the reasons that we love the song, Good, Good Father. 
if you think about most of our songs, most of our songs are about us to God, except we're never free by us to God. We are only freed by God to us. So perfect love casts out fear because fear brings what? So if I'm ever wondering whether I'm in fear or love, I can check for one thing. Am I being tormented? Am I being tormented? Everybody knows what it's like to be tormented. I have a big imagination, so I have lots of things that freak me out, okay? I mean, I said this the other day. When you got a big imagination, a shadow can become a bear in an instant. I mean, it's just the reality, right? Shadow, bear, what's that, right? I don't, I know some of you buried your imagination when you got about 12. I kept mine really alive, right? And so um, if you think about it, if you look at your life right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do an exercise. I want you to identify where you're being tormented. What areas of your life are you being tormented in? Are you tormented that there's not enough money? Are you tormented that if you really forgave somebody and opened your heart up that they would injure you again? Are you tormented about your health? Are you tormented about your work situation? I'm going to just ask you to do this because I just want to see. If you are willing to say, you know what, there's something in my life that's it's, it's, it's coming up in my mind over and over and over again. Would you just raise your hand? Look around. And so here's what you can see. We all need to grow up in love. We all need to grow up in the reality of how deeply we are loved. It says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. And he that fears is not perfect or mature in love. This is not about how many times I can have the right outward response to other people. Because how many of you know if you were kids with a certain kind of mama, you had the right outward response. Anybody know what it's like to have the right outward response? Because having the wrong outward response. But even then, what controlled your response? Even then, what controlled your response? Fear, your fear. So if I can look and see, the Bible says, if I lack wisdom, he'll help me. So if I can be honest and say, here's a place I'm tormented. I'm afraid that if I really obey God, I won't get to live my dreams. I'm afraid that trying to date right is going to cause me to end up by myself. I'm afraid that if I really follow my passion, I'm not going to have any money. Because if I can own it, I can present it. But what I cannot own, I cannot present. And what I cannot present, I cannot have perfected. So then what many of us end up doing is just managing our fears. Now, let's go back to the beginning. Let's really see this. I want to show you, I want to tell you this thing that the Lord said to me this week, and it just really has been really good to me. It says, Holy Spirit is our God. 
His job is to lead us into all truth. He has an IEP for each of us. Now let me stop, because if you know what an IEP is, you just got blessed. If you know what an IEP is, what's an IEP? Somebody tell me. It is an individualized educational plan. If you understand that the Holy Spirit's job is to educate you into truth and that it is individualized and that it is specialized so it is possible for us to do life together and be on a different plan. Not just possible, highly likely. The Holy Spirit has an IEP for each one of us because he is the only one who knows how to bring us into truth because he is the only one who knows the depth of our fear. He is the only one who knows the depth of your darkness and it is his job to bring us into light. So when, think about this, so if the enemy can get you to not value your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you can go to church and do devotionals forever and still be as afraid as you were when you started. And it's not because you don't love God. It is because you have not encountered the depth of his love for you and his ability to take you and untangle you from whatever you've been bound up in and bring you into light. Say the job of the Holy Spirit is to bring me into light. So let me keep reading this. The Holy Spirit is our God. His job is to lead us into all truth. He has an IEP for each of us. However, he will not override our free will because Abba gave it to us. I've said this for years. Because God is so gracious, God will never tell you that you're stupid. Now, I'm telling you, God don't call people names. God, if you hear something in your head telling you you're stupid, that is your lower self. That is your fear-based self. God does not call people names. But because God is so gracious and it is so important to him that you learn the lesson, he will allow you to be in third grade 17 times. He just keeps bringing a new teacher. He just keeps bringing a new teacher. He just keeps bringing a new teacher. Could I get anybody to just raise their hand if you got, you say, I got at least one area in my life that I've seen this before. I got at least one area in my life that I've seen this before. May I submit to you that you have not fully submitted to your IEP and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work to get you to be proficient. One of our kids has an IEP, and what they rank is the proficiency of the goals. It ain't always that they're trying to get them to 100%. Sometimes they're trying to get them to 80% proficiency or 85% proficiency, right? And they keep revisiting something until there's mastery. So if you keep finding yourselves in situations where you're blowing up in anger, it is because you have not gotten. So your teacher says, we need to see this again. 
because I will not allow you to fail this. So I will wipe the slate clean and bring you right back to it again. Because he has an IEP. Say, I have an IEP. Now, if you was growing up, when I was growing up, it wasn't a great thing to brag about the fact that you had an IEP. But now, anybody who's smart want an IEP because it means that the education is individualized for you. Because while we all sit in this room, we all came to this room from different places. We all got different experiences growing up. We all got different perceptions of the same encounter. It is the reason why eyewitness testimony is the least reliable testimony it is. If we go outside and there's a wreck on the street, most of us won't even get all the details right. Somebody be like the car was gray. Somebody be like the car was blue. Somebody be like it was a truck. Why? Because the most unreliable thing in your life is what you think you see. The most unreliable thing in your life is what you think you see. Could I submit something to you? I just want us to sit around this because you can take it or not take it. But I will submit to you that one of the reasons that it's difficult for you to see clearly is because everything we see is based on the past. Could I walk you through how a couple gets into a fight? Let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> let's talk about this. No. In reality, whenever we have counseled a couple, whenever we have been a couple in counseling, here is what we have found. People are never fighting about something new. People are, could you say never? People are never fighting about something new. What you are fighting about is the past that you have brought into your present. Because when people fight, people don't fight in the present. People fight in the past. Which is why people in fights say things like, you always. In order to know always, you had to go back to the past and bring the past into the present. Anytime you are in the past, you are in fear, so you cannot be in faith. Because the Bible says faith is So the reason that I cannot receive the word of reconciliation for my marriage is because in my marriage, I am not dealing in the now. In my marriage, every time there is a conflict, I am going back to 1994. The very, I'm going to give you something easy. All right. So me and Strick, not Pastor Strick, because at home he's Strick. Me and Strick have had this issue throughout our marriage about him eating without me. Now, don't judge my stuff. Manage your own life. Manage your own life. Manage your own life. So, 
The second week we were married, say second week. We were both in college. And I was in school. And I got out of class first. Now, back then, we didn't have the ability to text each other. So we had to wait. And we also had cell phones that you didn't use the minutes to nighttime unless it was important. So you had to wait until you saw the person. When I got out of class, I was hungry. But I said, I will wait on Strick so we can eat together. I go home. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm waiting on Strick. Strick comes in. Strick got a McDonald's bag. For one. For one. I say, I say, hey, babe, did you bring me something to eat? He says, no. I assumed if you were hungry, you would eat. Well, I assumed, hear me, I assumed if you love me like I love you, you will wait to see if I ate. Here is the problem with the scenario. We are both in the scenario and neither one of us is wrong. We are actually both right. The problem is, is that we are making judgments about the past to determine what should happen in the present. We have probably had no more fights in our marriage than about what we go eat and how we go eat and when we go eat. I'm trying to help you. I'm, I'm trying to help you. Now, what happens when I'm in fear, then fear begins to say, he doesn't love me. All right, Chris about to get the mic and help preach. Chris said, you don't love me enough to wait. And if you can't hold on 30 minutes so I can eat, what else can I not trust you with? And now I am standing in a present conflict dealing with the past that is rooted in fear. So now when he come home, I'm like, let me smell your breath, make sure you ain't really. Let me check the trash. Now, here's what can happen. Here's what can happen. Because most people ain't fighting about nothing new, so you're not fighting about anything new. <laughs> so then what happens is, because the last time he came home without something, with something to eat, without me, and then I acted ignorant. Justifiably so. I mean, because in your own judgment, you always think you're right. In your own judgment, you always think you're right, right? So then he like, I'm grown. You can't tell me when to eat and when not to eat. I'm going to eat McDonald's again just because. <laughs> now you got two people 
engaging in the present based off the past. Let me, can I ask y'all a question? Has anybody ever got mad because you thought somebody else was mad? No, I want you to stand to your feet if you ever got mad because you thought somebody else was mad. Because if you mad, because if you mad, I'm mad. Let me tell you why you believe you have to get mad. Let me, hear me, hear me. Hear me. The biggest challenge for us is that we believe greater anger is the way to deal with anger. Because in our subconscious, we are rooted in fear. Because that's your lower self. That's why the Bible says, if you fulfill the lust of the flesh... Fear, from now on, when you see the Bible and the Bible talk about flesh, I just want you to write fear. He says you cannot walk in fear and fulfill the spirit. Now, you, you think you're doing a pretty good job because you've managed not to say the right things, the wrong things. So you manage not to say, but in your heart, you is angry and salty but I want to make it simple you're just afraid you're just afraid you're just afraid now I want to show you why this is so important the Holy, say the Holy Spirit is the only one who dismantles fear I cannot will myself out of fear I cannot will. I know y'all think y'all super smart. Y'all got affirmations. Y'all got all this stuff you do. But at the end of the day, if we could put you up to a machine where they test your heart rate, your all of that different stuff, it would come up that you are afraid. So the Holy Spirit, he will not override the free will Abba has given us. So we must accept the invitation to be taught. We must accept the invitation to be taught. So those of you who said, I'm in a situation that I've been in before, or there are situations that I repeat in my life, could you raise your hand again? Here is what you should ask the Holy Spirit right now. What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me? How many of you have had scenarios, you know, like on those little maze things where it says go left, go right, and then you went left and you ended up in the wrong place and you went right and you ended up in the wrong place? It means that you need someone with a higher view than your view because your view is down here. So he wants to bring you to a view that's up here. I will never forget this. Listen, this used to baffle me. Whenever we would talk to Pastor Cynthia and we had got into it about something, Pastor Cynthia would say the same thing over and over again. And those of you who met Pastor Cynthia, you can tell she just say the same thing over and over again. She don't have no new stuff to say, right? This is what she used to say. She used to say, if you and Edwin could ever see that you are two sides to the same coin. If you and Edwin could ever see that you are two sides to the same coin. I don't know what that means. I just want to know. Hear what I used to say. I just want to know who wrong. Right. 
who's right, who's wrong. Most of you in every conflict you show up into, all you want to know is who right and who wrong. So then you miss the moments when you're both right. You miss the moments when you're both right. And you know why you're both right? Because you're sitting in different seats. And the challenge for most of us is that our fear says, you should hear me and you should see where I sit. But I have no obligation to try to see where you sit because if you love me, you come over here and you see it from my perspective because you owe me out of love to see it from my perspective. But I don't owe you to see it out of your perspective because I'm so afraid that seeing it out of my perspective and your perspective might demand I change. Might demand that I change. Seeing it your way may make me have to change. And while I want to change life, I have no interest in changing. And while I want to live days of heaven on earth, I believe that that's going to come because all of y'all get better. Because if all of y'all get better, this would be heaven. And that is the reason that some of you, no matter where you date you, who you date, who you friends with, where you live, where you work, people say the same thing about you. Because everywhere you go, there your fear-based self sits. So you should just stop right now and you should say, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to teach me? I can remember years ago, um, and I realized the Lord had been taking me on this journey for a while. See, because that's the other great thing about God, because he don't tell you that you're stupid. You just end up on the other side, and your light, the light start coming on, you go, dang. <laughs> that's what he was trying to show me, right? So I can remember, listen, there is nobody on the planet who can get under your skin like Edwin Strickland. Especially if he decide that he want to get under your skin. And I, I used to let Edwin work. He would be playing. He would work me up so much. I would be hollering and cussing. I get cussing and ready to fight and talking about his mama. Cause this real talk, listen. When I don't really got hot, I ain't got nothing left but your mama, your mama. Tell your mama, talk to your mama. And if I get really, really hot, it's your mammy. remember the day the Lord said to me why do you allow him to control you like that you think your anger makes you powerful it just shows how out of control you actually are Jesus did not throw over the chairs in the temple because he was angry not angry like you suppose his anger is always righteous Ours is not. Our anger is almost always rooted in fear. And I remember I started just working 
on. I don't care what everyone do. I'm just not going to be moved. I'm just not, I, I, I don't care. I, I don't care what he say. I don't care how. And then, and then because he knew that the Lord was working on me, because Edwin is a picker, right? Then he says, then he says, then he says, the Holy Spirit sent me here to help you make, make you better. <laughs> and then I realized he was right. Because nobody takes you out of character more than people you love. I would get worked up. He would say, calm down. Ooh. Ooh. Don't nothing make you matter. Then when you already mad and somebody say, calm down. And then one day, I just was like, because here's what would happen. I would be livid and he would be laying on the floor laughing. He would be laughing. And then this one day, I just had a revelation. So he said, calm down. And I said, calm up. And he didn't know what to do. <laughs> he like, he like, it doesn't make any sense, but it stopped you from talking to me. <laughs> How many times this week has fear caused you how many times this week has fear dictated how you spent your money how you respond to somebody how you engage with your kids how much you need to prove a point I was thinking about this because I've been reading the gospels a lot and one of the things I noticed is just Jesus doesn't argue with people Jesus say what he gets to go say he, Jesus has never, ever, ever tried to convince anybody to accept him. But in your good Christian self, how many people have you tried to persuade that his way is right? You don't get that from the Father. Jesus never tried to convince anybody. They asked him a question, he answered it. He kept doing his Father's business. Even we're in our Christianity, we're so fearful, like, we're going we gonna, to we gonna make you come to Jesus. Some of you got saved today because you was, I mean, some of you got saved in your life because you was afraid you was going to go to hell. They got to talk about hell, how it's going to be the national teak. You don't even know what that is, but it seemed terrifying. It seemed terrifying. And so what you did is you was like, okay, am I more afraid of the devil or God? Uh-uh. Uh, well, God can send me to hell. I'm going to pick him. So to begin with, some of you from the beginning, your relationship has never been based on love. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God sent Jesus because he loved you, not because he was trying to send you to hell. In fact, God sent Jesus because you was already in hell. No, you're talking about eternity, but let's go back to Genesis. I want to show you this in Genesis. And then, we, and then I want to tell you this one other thing about the Holy Spirit, because you got to surrender. Tell your neighbor, say, you have to surrender. Do you know what the job of the Holy Spirit is? He is your personal truth adjuster. You know, when, if you've ever been to the chiropractor, you go to the chiropractor because you got a spine, but it's out of alignment, right? It is the job of the Holy Spirit to tweak your truth. How many of you have ever believed something and now you know that's not true? 
You've ever believed something and now you know it's not true. Have you ever passionately believed something and now you know it's not true? So why would you fight over truth? Because you have been wrong. Dead wrong and passionate. Your passion is no indication that you are correct. You can be passionately wrong. And let me tell you when you are most likely to be wrong. When your fear causes you to attempt to judge the intent of someone else. Could I walk you through that a little bit? Then we go go to Genesis. Because I'm trying to talk to you about human relationships when you get home, right? Because if you die today, you're going to heaven, right? I'm trying to get some heaven in your house. I'm trying to get some heaven in your house. I know you take cute pictures, but I'm trying to get some heaven in your house. I know y'all got great filters and stuff. I'm trying to get your heart filtered. So, wait, what's the last thing I just said? I got a lot of stuff going on up in here, okay? So, I got a lot of stuff I want to say. So, listen, think about this. It is fact to say that it is a fact to say that Edwin ate McDonald's without me. That's a fact that he ate it. The why, I cannot say his why. And the problem with most of us is we think our opinions are facts. So then we tell somebody else why they did what they did. You're late because you don't respect me. No, I can say that when you are late, I feel disrespected. I cannot say that your intent was to disrespect me. Think about, okay, as a kid, did you ever get in trouble for something that y'all say yes, but y'all must get in trouble a lot. Okay? Let, me, let, let me get to the end of it, okay? Let me get to the end of it. Did you ever get in trouble for something that if they had just listened, they would have understood? Huh? And have you ever disciplined anybody, a friend, your child, your spouse, because you had decided intent. And literally what happens is that your fear kicks in so love can't speak. It's why people get so upset. Like, for example, if we, I remember this because our churches walked through this a lot when we talked about the love of God. So when we start talking about, you know, Jesus and being slapped and turning the other cheek, and we go, you know, if somebody slaps you, you should turn the other cheek. Now, most of you got some discipline, and you're like, all right, all right, I might, I might could turn one cheek. But we throw that second slap. Here's the thing. I'm not suggesting that you be slapped. I'm suggesting that in fear, you can't even hear what God would say to dismantle the situation. I'm saying that when I'm afraid, I defend myself. When I am afraid, I retreat from people. Everybody don't do the same thing. Like, I realize this about myself. Listen, I really, like, I am the epitome of 
hey, if you go here, I'm going to go here. I'm like, if you show your crazy at this level, I'm going to take my crazy all the way up here. And <clears throat> maybe my crazy will be so crazy. But the Bible says it's a kind word that turns away wrath. When you're in conflict, are you using kind words? Because if you're not, you're being led by fear. Everybody just take a deep breath. Just blow it out. Just deep. Just, it's okay. Because if you can admit that truth, if you can admit in conflict, I don't respond right. Man, the other week I got upset with somebody, and on the, on the outside, I didn't say a word. And the Holy Spirit was like, but let's talk about what's on the inside. He was like, I'm not looking for outward performance. I'm looking for inward transformation. I lift my hands in church, but I don't speak to you. Me and my, church, me and my spouse were salty on the way to church. We came to church and worship, got back in the car. Salty. He said, I'm not looking for that because it's your fear. Because, and this is the hard thing for most of us to understand. My distrust of what he does to me is really about my distrust with God. Because it's God's responsibility to take care of me. And I miss the moments. I, I can admit, I've missed moments that God was taking to go take care of me. Because I got involved. Have you ever been in a situation where the Holy Spirit was like, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. And then you said something. And then you had to be like, can you help me fix this thing that I made worse? Because my fear said, don't you let them think that they can talk to you like that. Don't you let them think that they can engage you like that. Don't you let them think that they can play that kind of game with you. Hear me, because I, I heard that. I am not telling you that there's never a time to walk away. I'm telling you that there is a difference in walking away because I'm afraid and walking away because I love myself. It's a big difference. All right, let's go to Genesis. Then we're almost done. Because you just, this week, you just need to ask God, as those emotions come up, as those things come up, as you find yourself irritated, aggravated, the Bible says love is not easily irritated. Love is not easily irritated. If some of us are honest, when are you not irritated? When are you not irritated? The Bible says love is not easily irritated. Could you just try to count how many times you was irritated last week? Somebody said this morning. Love is not easily irritated. Why are you so easily irritated? Why does everything that everybody does bother you? You mad when people share too much on Facebook. You mad when people don't share on Facebook. You're just irritated. What are you so afraid of? All right, let's go to Genesis. Say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to do the inner work. People spend so much time trying to do the outer work. 
We care so much. And I'm not saying we shouldn't care. We care about our hair, our clothes, all of that different stuff. But what about the inner you? What about the inner you that's, that you have to spend so much time on the outer you to cover up how much the inner you is just a little afraid kid? All right, so in Genesis 1, we're just going to look at a little bit of this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved up on the face of the waters. Understand that everything God does, he's going to do by the Spirit. The Spirit is power, but the Bible says God is love, right? So when we talk about the power of God, we need to connect the power of God with the love of God. The only power God has is love. So when we're saying, send your power, we're saying, when we need a miracle, what do we really need? We need manifestation, of a, a miracle. All a miracle really is at its most basic sense is a change of reality. You leave one reality and go into another reality. When God heals a marriage, that's a miracle. You left a reality, you went into a reality. When God heals a body, you left the reality, you go into a reality. So literally, anytime you can come back to the table and step out of fear into love, you just experienced a miracle. Because you left one plane and stepped into another reality. Man, that's good to me. Because then you understand that miracles are natural. And miracles are normal. And we should be experiencing miracles every day. So every time we show an act of love someone, miracle. It changed the reality. You take somebody who's not used to being loved and you smile at them at the store and help them have a good day. You just released a miracle because you released love. That's all Jesus was doing as he was going about. The Bible says he went about Samaria doing good and helping all who were oppressed by the devil. He entered love. When he met the woman at the issue at the well, what did he encounter her with? Love. He said, I love you enough to tell you that if you drink of this right here, you stop dating all them zeros. And we miss the opportunity to minister to people because we talk to people about their behavior. You should stop acting like that. You should stop cussing people out. You should stop doing this. You should stop doing that. But we never get to the root of the why. And the why is fundamentally because you're in fear. And people in fear act crazy. But you know what? Have you ever seen somebody who's scared of dogs and they don't it don't matter how big the dog is? And have you ever seen somebody who like 180 pounds, scared of like a three-pound dog? I have watched people crawl on top of a car over a dog that they literally could have sat on the car and the dog couldn't have got off. Do you know that's what you look like when you're in fear? Because the Bible says when you see him, you're going to say, is this him? Is he, he deceived us? He, no, forget this because you, I mean, I want you to bring it all the way home. He, his deception is why I was hollering at my kids. I know because you just want to talk about deep worldwide stuff, right? <laughs> no, no, no. His deception is why I always think everybody talking about me. Oh, 
his deception is why I always got an opinion about everybody else. It's always so interesting to me that the people who are most offended about people talking about them are the people who are always talking about somebody. So let's keep going. So anytime God is going to do something, he is going to use the Holy Spirit. So then in Genesis 1, it says, you know this. Let's go to 26. I mean, yeah, verse 26. And then we're going to go to Genesis 2 and then we'll go to Genesis 3 and then we'll be done. It says, and God said, let us make man, 126, let us make man in our what? Image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So then God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created him then. And then he blessed them. And then he said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth up on the earth, right? So God says, I need a man. I need a woman. I'm going to make them in my image, right? I'm going to bless them. I'm going to empower them. So what was he empowering you with? Because love is his power source. So when he's talking about dominion, he's not talking about brute force. He's talking about the dominion that love brings. It's really interesting because Chris and Mika have both been learning about conscious discipline. And conscious discipline is really, most of us weren't disciplined consciously. We were disciplined from a place of fear. I don't want you to run into the street. You ran into the street. I'm going to beat you because you ran into the street. I am afraid that you are going to get hit, so I am going to try to scare you out of the street. <laughs> no, I'm going to hit you. I am afraid that you're going to get hit, so I'm going to hit you. So you don't get hit. So if most of us think about it, we're not very aware of what it's like to be corrected and it not be done from fear. So then we believe that when God corrects us, he's got to threaten and scare and take stuff from us in order to teach us something. Tell your neighbor, say, that's your fear. That's not Abba. So he creates them in his image and he gives them power. Say, I have the power of love at work in my heart. It's why people hate to forgive. The problem is Jesus actually says, he says, if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven, which really doesn't mean that God doesn't forgive you. It means that when you hold unforgiveness, you then begin to judge yourself by the same standard and the same penalty that you are holding against other people. So then you believe people and God are dealing with you based on the way you deal with people when they mess up. I am in no way saying that people should not be held accountable. Please look and say she is not saying there is no accountability. But there is a big difference between correction because I love you and correction because I'm angry and correction because I'm mad. I say this all the time. A lot of times, I want you to just stop and ask yourself, anybody got somebody in your life you really want to be a better person? You really want them to be a better person. You got to ask yourself, do you really want them to be a better person for them 
Or do you really want them to be a better person because them being a better person would be better for you? And in reality, most of the time when we want people to be better people, we want them to be better people for us. I need you to get your life together because when your life is broken, it messes with my life. I need you to get your money together because you stress me out when you ask me for my money. I'm not saying I want you to get your money together because I want you to know what it feels like not to feel this kind of stress and tension and terror. I want you to get your life together because you are bothering me. In truth, most of us do not want people to be free for them. We want them to be free for us. I could have an off call right now, couldn't I? Yep, but I'm not going to. Let's keep going. Let's look at Genesis 2 and 7. It says, And then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. What? The breath of life. So God actually breathed love into you. And you became a living soul. So that means that when God created you, we've talked about our soul. Our soul is what? When God created your soul, it was filled with love. Your imagination was filled with love. Your intellect was filled with love. Your emotions were filled with love. You were created in the image of God, overflowing with love. So when Adam named the animals, he named them out of love. He wasn't afraid of the bear. He wasn't afraid of the dinosaur. He wasn't afraid of the snake. He named them out of love because it was all he knew. Now we know, say plot twist, because there's going to be a plot twist. In Genesis, the third chapter, the Bible says there was a serpent who was more subtle than all of the beasts of the field. And he comes to Eve and he says to her, he says, hey, Eve, if you eat this right here, you will be like God. The problem is, is that Eve is already like God. Since you have been born again, you have been like God. The reason you can't see it is because you look at your natural self. If you looked at your real self, your natural self would modify because we become what we behold. But as long as you behold your brokenness, you will duplicate your brokenness. At, he comes to Eve. He says, hey, Eve, you'll be like God. Eve really wants to be like God. Here's the thing. Here's the problem. People tell this story about Eve, and they do exactly what I say people do in arguments. People judge why Eve did what she did when the Bible tells us why Eve did what she did. Eve didn't do what she did because she was rebellious. Eve did what she did because her desire was to be like God. But because she didn't know she was like God, she did this thing. How much more stuff you going to do trying to be like God? How much more stuff you going to do trying to be like God? Because there is a difference in giving because you like God and giving because you're trying to get God to give you something. Let's keep going. So Adam and Eve sin. Let's look at this. Sin. You know what the word sin means? It means to miss the mark. It is an archery term. It means to miss the mark. What did they do? They made a decision outside of love. 
What sin? Every time we make a decision outside of love. That's why Jesus came to restore love. He came to restore your equilibrium. You are off balance when you are in fear. You are off. So he came to take you back to your original state, which is love. Now, the problem is, is that Jesus has been presented as such a watered down thing that people like, like love is like, who want to choose love? But if you watch Jesus' life, Nobody did anything to Jesus. Jesus. Love is the most preeminent force in the universe, in all the worlds. There is nothing greater than love. So what the enemy does to defeat us is to get us to come into a realm where he has mastery, which is the realm of fear. Because in the realm of love, he cannot touch us. How do we know? Because Jesus is the example of what we can be. And when Jesus was on the earth, Jesus actually had to lay down his life for them to be able to kill him. They could not kill him. They could not touch him until he said, this is the Father's will. In fact, there's a story where they try to push Jesus off a cliff and they look up on the other side and Jesus standing on the other side of them and they don't even, he don't fight them. He don't stab nobody. All they know is that Jesus is, they're trying to push Jesus over the cliff and when they look up, Jesus over here. What moved him? Love. How you moving? What's moving you? Your fear? Your fear of shortage? Your fear of lack? Your fear of rejection? Your fear of not being enough? Your fear of what they said about you? The fear of the doctor's report? The fear of your credit score? What's moving you? Your fear that God isn't really going to give you your dream because he's a really bad God, so he would give you a dream and tell you you could have it and dangle it in front of you and not actually let you have it because that's what kind of God he is? That's all fear talk. So in Genesis 3, we're almost done. It says, and the eyes of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. Hmm. Let's go back to verse 6. It says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good, the only reason we choose something else is because we think it's good. We think it's good to get them told. That's why we get them told. That's the only reason you did it. You think that's good. Girl, let me go ahead and get you. Let me go ahead and tell you. Because let me go ahead and tell you, let, let, let me go ahead and straighten out your whole life. Right. Why do you do that? Because you think it's good. Because if you didn't think it was good, you wouldn't do it. The same reason that she ate the fruit, she saw it was suitable. She saw it was good. And, it, and she, it desi- she desired it to make her wise. So she took it and she ate it and then he ate it. Next. It says that when the eyes of them were both open, they knew they were what? Exposed. I would like to submit to you that all lack starts with fear. They had been the same way they were the whole time they had been in the garden. But it wasn't until they took part of fear because she ate the fruit, because she was afraid that she was not what God said she was. And the moment she started looking at life through her fear, all she could see was lack. And some of you right now, you're living in the most blessed state that you've ever lived in, but you know everything you don't have. Because your fear is the loudest thing talking to you. You made more money than you've ever made before. You live better than you've ever lived before. You've gone places you never thought you would go. But you know what you meditate on? What you don't have yet. Fear. 
because you've chosen to take the thing that takes your equilibrium off. I, what's, what's that thing that I had? You know, I had vertigo after the accident. Well, the problem with vertigo is that when you have vertigo, the room is spinning even when you're standing up. When you're in fear, everything's spinning. Everything's off kilter. Everything's out of place. So you try to find something to anchor yourself with, and what you almost always choose is more fear. And Job said the thing you fear is the thing that comes up on you. So many of the cycles that we repeat in our life, we repeat because we keep connecting to the fear that keeps inviting it back into our life. I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough, so I invite lack back into my life. I'm afraid I'm going to get the flu, I invite the flu into my life. I'm afraid that I don't have good friends, so I invite the wrong friends into my life. It is my fear that is connecting me because there are only two planes, love and fear. And your faith works. It's not working the way you think it should because you are attached to the wrong power source. And when fear is the power source, it can only bring you the fruit of fear. It says in verse 8, I love this right here, man. It says, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. How many of you know that God already knew what they had done? This puts that song, we desire you in a whole new perspective. He knows they have sinned. He knows they have missed the mark. He knows they have come out of love, but he shows up for them. Just like he always has. He's been showing up for you even when you didn't think he was. You got solutions in your life that you got before you were saved, before you was living right, because he has always been after you. You have never had to chase him. You wouldn't know where to find him if he hid himself. He has always made himself plain to you. Showing up in any kind of way you can think of. So he says to them, he says, he says Adam, hey, where are you? I submit to you that what he was trying to do was to get Adam to locate himself. He wasn't asking Adam where you are. He's God. He knows Adam and Eve are in the bushes. Anytime God asks you a question, he's trying to get you to locate where you are. Because if you can locate yourself, you can ask for help. But many times when God asks us to locate ourselves, we talk about other people. When the Lord says, why did you respond that way? Because she, you don't know what she did, and you don't know what he said, and blah, blah, blah. You didn't locate yourself. What if you just practiced this week every time you found yourself sliding out of character, being like, oh, I must be afraid. What am I afraid of? What's causing me to act this way? How did I step out of love to get into this place? Let me go back to what keeps me steady. So he says, he says, I heard your voice and I was afraid. 
Man, this is one of the worst things that happen from sin. Fear makes you afraid of the voice of God. It's why when you get in trouble, you run away from it. You done messed up and you out here trying to fix it yourself. You clearly ain't got the skill to fix it yourself. You wouldn't have got messed up if you was that smart. But he says, I heard your voice and I was afraid because that fear made them think they couldn't come to God. I'm just asking you to consider today as I wrap up. How much of that stuff is tormenting you because you're still trying to hold it? You're still trying to manage how much you go love, how much you go forgive, how much you go give, how much you go open yourself up, how much you go really commit your life to the Lord. Whether you go be all in. Some of you literally are double dutching with destiny. You like, God, I want destiny. He like, get in. You like, but if I get in, you might make me do something I don't want to do. I won't love, but I'm afraid of commitment. I want wealth, but I'm afraid to let poverty go. I want healing, but I've identified with the sickness. So then he says, who told you you were naked? All that stuff. Who told you? Who told you it wasn't enough? Who told you healing wasn't available? Who told you people didn't stop being depressed? Who told you that? Did the Bible tell you that? Did the Holy Spirit, your personal teacher, tell you that? Or did they tell you that? Who told you it would cost too much to do it God's way? Who told you that? Who told you that you would lose if you did it that way? So I'm just asking you, as we get ready to go, that anybody who's like, man, you know what? I got some stuff in my life, and I can see real clearly fear be wearing me out. And I'd like to get my equilibrium back today. I'm going to ask you to do something just real simple. I told you it's two planes. One is fear. One is love. The first step in any freedom is a decision. You can't even get saved till you decide. I'm asking you, if you're like, you know what, that's me. Man, I'm tired of looking good, jacked up on the inside, being tormented, losing my peace. Every time I get a little bit of success, the enemy come and try to make me think I'm going to lose. I'm tired of living like that. So I'm just going to get up and I'm going to see myself stepping out of fear into love. I'm just going to get up and I'm going to take a step. I'm going to get up and I'm going to take a step. And then standing in my new space, I'm going to take a moment. And I am going to focus on for 13 seconds. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to shout. But for 13 seconds, I'm going to open myself to receive how much God loves me. I want you to show me, Father, Holy Spirit, 
we thank you that you are the great teacher. So all the places that we've been stuck and all the places we've been bound and all the places that we've lived in fear, show us the light that walks us out. You can walk out of torment. Am I saying to you that torment is never going to come back? Nope. But if you practice walking out today, you can walk out tomorrow. And if you have to walk out 50 times today, so what? Because tomorrow it'll be 47. And then it'll be 43. And then it'll be 42. And then it may try to jump back up to 49 to make you think that you didn't go anywhere. But if you'll just keep choosing, I'm going to choose to believe. That anytime Edwin comes home with food, it ain't no slight towards me. It doesn't mean he doesn't love me as much. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care as much. Now you're laughing, but some of you are like, I know so-and-so don't love me because they do X or they don't do X. And now what you are judging is intent, not how you feel. You're judging intent. You're not judging how they feel. You, some of it is getting honest and saying, I actually feel rejected when this is what happens. That doesn't mean you were trying to reject me. So I owe you to say to you, when X happens, I feel rejected. And I don't want to feel rejected, so how can we work? I'm talking about some real vulnerable stuff that can get you free. And you're like, I don't want to be that vulnerable. Well, what you doing now ain't working. What you doing now ain't working. Y'all love each other. You want to be happy, but you got the friction of the past standing in between you. Every time you got an argument, you're thinking about the, listen, and the older you, the longer you've been married, you got to bury that stuff. Oh, you got stories from 94, 97, 2001, 2008. Man, you, can't, you never have an argument that's about anything in the present. I'm not just talking about love. I'm talking about your issue with your siblings. I'm talking about your issue with your siblings. You still judging your siblings' intent based on how you felt about it. Your issue with your mama. Your issue with your daddy. And I say this a lot, but I'm going to say this again. You need to understand this for whatever issues you got with your parents. Your parents did what they did because of who they were, not because of who you were. Whatever you wrestling with, your parents was wrestling with some stuff. And most people don't get up and say, let me break the people I love. Most people do not get up and say, let me break the people I love. What most people do is that hurt people hurt people. And so when I'm broken, I can't do nothing but show up broken to you and inflict my brokenness on you. But what if you would get healed enough to see the brokenness of your mama, to see the brokenness of your sister, to see the brokenness of your father, to see that even the person who broke your heart. Look, I want to hear, I want you to hear this. Anybody who needs to go around breaking hearts is broken. Anybody who needs to go around seeing how many people they can break is broken. Because broken people break people. Whole people put people back together again. So how long are you going to allow 
The brokenness of love in any... Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. I want you to identify... I'm go, this is going to be kind of like the forgiveness exercise, and then we're going to do the forgiveness exercise, all right? So I want you to identify, I am going to say, where is a place I am broken in love? And when I say that, I want you to pay attention to what comes up. And then when you hear something, just put your hands up. All right, everybody focus. I, I'm like, look, kindergarten teacher, all eyes on me? One, two, three, eyes on me? Yeah, okay. Right. Where is a place you are broken in love? That's what a great teacher he is. You see how you see how you didn't have to labor for that? You didn't have to go on no 40-day fast for that or nothing. You see how you ask and he just told you? Okay, everybody who just got a place that they were broken in love, as another act, I want you to be like, now I'm stepping into the light of love. I'm stepping into it. I'm leaving this love. I'm, I'm leaving this story behind. I'm leaving this story behind. Because here's the thing, if you got a brokenness with your mama that you don't fix, you'll break the kids you trying not to break. And then you judging your mama because of your brokenness, but your brokenness is causing you to break. Because broken people break people. But if you can say today, you know what? I choose to release my ex-husband. I choose to release my mama. I release my daddy. I release my sister. I release my brother. I release them all because this fear too great for me. I ain't trying to live like this. I'm not trying to take, this supposed to be my best life. I am not taking this mess any further. So as an act of my surrender, Holy Spirit, Come get it all. Come do what you do. Come do what you do. Come get it all. Come unlock me from every chain of fear, every misrepresentation, every place that I am in bondage, every place where my perception is skewed, is skewed and screwed up, both of them skewed and screwed up, every place where I don't see it like you see it, every place where I don't judge it like you judge it. That's why I took the 48-hour challenge because I realized that in offering my opinion about so much, I missed the opportunity to hear what God thought. I realized how flawed my opinion was about other people because I'm judging from the seat that I'm sitting in. And the great thing about God is that he can see all our seats. And that's all mom was ever trying to say to us. Man, if you would quit fighting each other, you would see how you're better together. There are literally some people that you are fighting that you are better with. You're better with. I said this to Elwin the other day. I said, I never thought about this before, but every covenant relationship is designed to heal something that's broken. Every covenant relationship, every relationship that God puts us in is designed to heal something. Every time I see Sister Young, she heals something in me because she so reminds me of my grandmother. 
and I get to feel that when I'm with her. It heals something in me. And that's why the enemy tries to get you not to go to church and not to be connected and to come in late and to leave early and not to get to know anybody and to stay connect, disconnected. Why? Because you think that your relationship with God is just this way. But our relationship with God is this way. And everybody in this room, if only for this moment and this day, you need everybody else in this room. Every, turn around and look at your answers. These are your answers. And if you're afraid to get close to people, I'm going to tell you why. Fear. And I'm going to say this one other thing and then we're going to pray. Some of you feel like people reject you and you feel like you never get close to anybody. And I'm going to offer you this. Many times the reason you don't get close to anybody is because your true self has never shown up. And when people are looking to connect to you, they can't find you. They can find all the faces you put on. They can find all the stuff that you put on. So you keep feeling like people rejecting you and people are not rejecting you. We're trying to get the real you to emerge so we know what we're working with. I believe that some of you could absolutely have a miracle in your healing today. Some things have to be processed out. A lot of things are just decisioned out. A lot of things. I've had some emotional healing that I just decide, God, you can have this. I don't have no more reputation in this. I don't want to be a martyr no more. I don't want to tell the story no more. I don't want nobody else to pat me on the back for it. I don't want nobody else to be sympathetic for me no more about it. I I don't want to have it as an excuse for my bad behavior no more. What my mama did, what my daddy did, what they did do, what they didn't do, who did, what they said. Man, I just want to be free. I got anybody in here who just want to be free today? Then just make a decision. We're going to pray. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit. This is going to be all our prayer today. Prayer for healing, salvation, deliverance, restoration, whatever you need because you got your own IEP. You know what y'all ought to do this week? Anybody who know I got an IEP or know about an IEP know this, that you have IEP meetings. This week, you ought to have you an IEP meeting. I need to know what my specialized education program is because while and just because we do life with each other God working on everyone with something he working on me with something else he working on our kids with something else he using our kids to work on something else with us differently pay attention to what irritates you what rubs you and why you let it take you there over and over again begin to ask the Lord when things rub you wrong how else could I see this how else could I see this Sometimes you may think somebody's insulting you. They was actually trying to give you a compliment. That was just the best words they had. See what I'm saying? So we ready to pray? Let's pray. And after we pray, then you can give your offering and we'll be done for today. Do we have any announcements? Oh, no, we won't be done. Pastor Ed will come make some announcements. So invite Holy Spirit to come and be your teacher. I'm going to pray, but you need to pray. Holy Spirit, come and be our teacher. Come and be my God. Come and show me my IEP for this season. Come and show me what you want to heal. Come and show me what you want to untangle. 
come and show me what I need to see. Bring me out of darkness into light. Help me have some shifts, some big shifts. I want big shifts. Every place that's broken, send your light to heal it. Every place that I'm just a scared little kid, come and get me. Show me that I'm not alone. Heal me in the places that I don't even know how to articulate my brokenness yet. And Father, I thank you that I don't have to walk through everything step by step. I think there's something really powerful about this. I want you to see, we do this exercise a lot where you take something that's fearful, you take something that you feel and you let it come up in a ball in your stomach and you let it blow it out. And I was telling the prayer team the other day that I was doing these exercises. All this stuff I'm doing, I've been doing for weeks, just trying to check and see what happens. But I want you to think about the things that come up for you as torment, the relationships that need to be fixed, the perspective, whatever, right? And I want you to imagine, like, if you could see inside your body, if you could see inside your body, and you could see dark places, right? And I want you to see love coming and making those places light. Okay, so you can see the dark places, maybe dark places in your heart, places you've been injured, places you, some of you really need to practice using your imagination more. Use your imagination for good and not evil. So you see the places in your body that are dark, the places in your body that are injured. Because you can hold trauma all types of places, not just your heart, you can hold it in your liver, you can hold it in your back, in your joints, whatever, right? But you close your eyes and see your body and see where your body sees darkness. And then when you see where your body sees darkness, see love flowing to those spots. And then as you see that, I want you to see darkness going out your feet, leaving your body. So all of the brokenness, all of the headaches that I have that are really from trauma, all of the back pain that I really have that's from sadness, from stress, from something else, all of the pain in my knees, all of the sinus problems, all of the things in my body that are really a manifestation of something broken in my heart and my soul. I see that. I see love hitting that. And I see that leaving my body. All of the wrong identity. I hear the Lord saying, I want to give you your right identity, your right identity, your right identity. I want to show you who you really are. I want to show you your real personality. I want to show you your real identity. I really want to show you how much love you have on the inside of you. See all of that tough stuff, all of that protection stuff going out of your feet. And then I just want you to thank the Lord for the vision of you. Headache free, backache free, neck pain free, Rejection-free, offense-free, sadness-free. Release that sadness. Blow it out. So, Father, we thank you that Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. We thank you for truth. We thank you that you don't leave us the way we came. We thank you that you have no interest in us just going to church to check the boxes. We thank you that you have no interest in us going to church just to check the boxes, but you meet us where we are and you bring us into greater healing.